What's going on, sports fans? Welcome in to the third episode of the Blake Pace podcast. I am your host, Blake Pace. Happy Friday. Happy end of the week. Hope you guys are gearing up for a great weekend. I know I am. Um, kind of a little slow in the news to talk about uh, today. You know, I'm going to go over a few separate things. Um, you know, we're going to look at the finalists for the uh, the NBA awards, and I'm going to give my predictions now that we know the final three. Um of course, as always, I'm going to have my player profile. I don't think I have anything to add to the Constitution um, this week. If you are a first-time listener, um, you know, go check out episodes one and two earlier this week, available on Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, um, soon to be available on iTunes. I've had some uh, two rants now on our first and second episodes um, about the greatest of all time debate um, in just sports in general, and then also that this podcast is, you know, you know, people should be, you know, for the players getting their money. Um, I don't have a specific grant to go on today. Um, but if you are a first time listener, make sure to check those out. If you are a returning listener, uh, thanks for being here again. Um, I'm definitely excited that we've got some people listening in every episode. Um, so let's just, you know, let's dive right into the player profile. And, um, you know, number three, episode number three, uh, there were a few greats that I could um, choose from, uh, a few amazing guys that I've gotten to watch over the years. But my favorite has to specifically be uh, the 2015 season that we got from uh, Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson. Um, the, you know, the Seahawks went 10-6 and six that season. Uh, he completed 68% of his passes for uh, through 4,000 yards, 34 touchdowns through the air, um, only eight interceptions, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, 251 yards a game, a quarterback rating of 110.1, which led the league that year. Um, you know, two game-winning drives, two fourth-quarter comebacks. Um, what you got out of Russell Wilson in it, you know, this isn't even, you know, his young age anymore. You know, 2015, he's 27 years old. So um, this is kind of, you know, growing into what is uh, the prime of his career. And I think it's, you know, it's important to shine light on what Russell Wilson uh, has accomplished in his early career because, you know, unfortunately for the Seahawks, I see kind of things going in the absolute wrong direction as he approaches, you know, further into the prime of his career. Um, you know, they went 9-7 and seven this past season. Clearly the team is taking a step back. They're older. Uh, they had some, you know, uh, cap casualties on the team, um, got rid of some of their star players that have been around for a while. They have, you know, made some poor management decisions in, you know, signing guys to big contracts um, who are entering, you know, the wrong side of 30, um, getting a little bit older up in there. Uh, they've never been able to establish a great running game since Marshawn Lynch left. Um, the offensive line still looks horrendous to this day, um, and I truly feel for that as a Colts fan. I understand how annoying that can be to watch um, your star quarterback sit behind a, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a poor offensive line. Um, and, you know, the, the Seahawks are in a pretty tough division now with the San Francisco 49ers, um, the L.A. Rams, of course. You know, some might be considering them uh, Super Bowl favorites. And, you know, the Arizona Cardinals even just got their franchise quarterback for the future. So, it's you know, if he turns out better than expected, you know, the Seahawks could be, you know, battling for third or last place um, in that division. So, yeah, uh, my player profile um, got a little off topic there. 2015 season that you got from Russell Wilson. Um, pro bowler that year. Uh, let's see, is there anything else really important from that season? Uh, no, but now I'm going to look at actually some of my, um, runner-ups and we're looking to the NBA for those. And the first one, uh, Chris Paul, 
um, CP3. And specifically, I'm going to say let's go with his 2007-2008 uh, season. Um, and that's when he led the league in assists with 11.6 per game. He led the league in steals, 2.7 per game. Uh, averaged 21 points a game. His second highest outing in his career. Uh, had an effective field goal percentage of 52.4. He shot 36.9% from three. Um, you know, a 48.8 field goal percentage. Uh, played 80 games. This is back when he was with the New Orleans Hornets. Um, this was his first all-star season at age 22. Um, a remarkable season for him and a great career for Chris Paul. Um, congratulations to him for finally making his first conference finals. Um, they tightened things up with the Warriors, I'm sure. After the weekend, next Monday, you can look forward to some uh, more NBA conference finals talk. I just don't want to... Um, way down this podcast talking about every single game when I think there are some things, you know, across all different sports that we can talk about. Um, you know, football, it's a little tough because they aren't technically, you know, back in season yet. Um, but look for that next Monday, you know, after games three for the Western and Eastern Conference Finals. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, and this final guy uh, could have been in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, but his buddy decided to trade him away back to his home. Uh, Dwayne Wade, um, you know, number three, uh, let's see, he is a 12-time All-Star, the 2008-2009 scoring champion, eight-time All-NBA, um, All-Rookie team. He was uh, Finals MVP 2005-2006. He is a three-time NBA champion. Um, if I'm looking at specific seasons, it's got to be uh, the 2008-2009 season when he averaged 30 points a game. Um, effective field goal percentage of 51.6. He shot, you know, 31.7% from three, which is still one of his better years. Um, he has never been a tremendous free, uh, three-point shooter. He's a career 28.7 uh, three-point shooter, so getting 31.7 out of a season for him is pretty good. Uh, shot 49.1% um, that season from the field, which is above his career average as well. Um, Dwayne Wade, uh, an amazing career. Um, you know, it's you know he seems to be entering that point of his career where he's kind of bouncing around teams uh you know I'm not sure if he decides to stay in Miami after this season um but if he does so you know maybe they can get some guys around there and make Miami uh you know title contenders once again um it'll be interesting to see how his career pans out all right so now that we got that out of the way we are going to move now to um the NBA awards um the NBA revealed the award finalists for the 2017 2018 season um, presented by Kia. Uh, the award show will uh, be on June 25th, uh, televised on TNT. Um, and yeah, let's just start right from the top. So the Kia NBA Most Valuable Player, the uh, final three that is down to is Anthony Davis, forward center from the New Orleans Pelicans, James Harden, guard for the Houston Rockets, and forward LeBron James for the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know, in my eyes, if, it, if, if it's most valuable to his team, then I'm obviously, you know, picking LeBron James. I would even go second place Anthony Davis and James Harden third if that was the case, if that's truly what NBA MVP meant. Um, you know, my reason being, you know, if LeBron James wasn't on this Cleveland Cavaliers team, they'd be among one of the bottom teams in the Eastern Conference. Um, and that says a lot, saying the Eastern Conference is, you know, pretty awful um, outside of the top three to four teams. And then Anthony Davis, um, you know, that Pelicans team would also be one of the worst, maybe in all of the NBA, if they didn't have him um, at forward for the Pelicans. And the knock on James Harden for that um, 
is just because I kind of look at Mike D'Antoni as a head coach, and I've seen teams have success um, with, you know, a, a guy at guard running that Mike D'Antoni offense, and I think that that could be Chris Paul. I mean, you saw it in game two. Their offense kind of seems to flow a little bit better through the hands of Chris Paul. Um, it, it doesn't get it doesn't get down into as much iso ball when James Harden is to oppose when James Harden has the ball. Um, and I think, you know, least valuable to their team out of these three finalists would be James Harden. But that is not what the MVP really means. Um, it kind of just goes out to the most terrific season. And for that reason, um, I'm going to, you know, make my prediction, put my stamp on it that the MVP this year will be James Harden. I don't think that, you know, I think it's pretty much a no-brainer at this point. Um, I don't see anyone else, um, either of these guys. Yeah, Anthony Davis will have MVPs in his future. Um, LeBron James, you know, I wish, you know, he could. He deserves the MVP every year, in my opinion, because, you know, he's the best player in basketball. He brings whatever team he is on to championship contention. Um, but this year, you know, LeBron James kind of gets underlooked when they're historic seasons. Um, and James Harden definitely had that, um, just as like Russell Westbrook did last season. Um, so yeah, my MVP pick, uh, James Harden for the Houston Rockets. So now we'll move on to Kia NBA rookie of the year. Um, and we've got some great finalists for this one. You know, you're seeing one of them still in the playoffs. The other two, um, shine for their teams in the playoffs earlier in the postseason. Uh, that is Donovan Mitchell of uh, guard for the Utah Jazz, Ben Simmons point forward uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers, and Jason Tatum uh, forward for the Boston Celtics. And um, to me, this is also a no-brainer. Um, in my head, it's Ben Simmons of the 76ers, uh, just because he is a more all-around great of a player than these other two. Um, Donovan Mitchell is a great scorer. Um, you know, uh, energetic defender, um, Jason Tatum, also a prolific scorer and capable on defense, but I don't see them, you know, as guys that can truly just do everything on offense and defense. You know, Ben Simmons is the full package. Um, of course he doesn't have the scoring that the other two have. And I, you know, that's my biggest criticism of him. Why I think Philadelphia got bounced so early from the postseason is because, you know, he couldn't, you know, he wasn't a threat outside of the paint, um, when he had the ball in his hands. So, you know, you could sag off of him and, you know, put pressure onto the other scores of the team and kind of, you know, see what Ben Simmons would do, um, you know, kind of test him. Um, and, they, you know, he obviously didn't come through in that uh, sense. Um, but, you know, he has some of the, already the best court vision um, in the NBA. His passing is, you know, one of the better, um, has one of the better eyes in the league. He is a big guy who I think can improve his scoring. He's good around the rim. He's a good defender, a good rebounder. Um, you know, it, this is a great rookie class. You know, we may look back at this in a few years and compare it to uh, the sense of what we got in 2003, where you've got, you know, Ben Simmons, you know, this great um, forward who can do a lot. He's a great passer. He's got a great drive, rebounder, full package, kind of like a mini LeBron then you look at Boston, you've got Jason Tatum, this prolific scorer who can just hit about from anywhere. His mid-range is great. Three-pointer is great. Energetic guy. Maybe that's your Carmelo Anthony. And then, you know, Donovan Mitchell, this great guard who also is a scoring monster. Um, you know, he's also got a great mid-range game that could be your Dwayne Wade from that draft class. Um, I think that's pretty interesting to look at. I think this could go down as one of the better draft classes um, 
in recent NBA history. Um, so my pick for NBA uh, Rookie of the Year, Ben Simmons of the Philadelphia 76ers. All right, and uh, moving on to the Kia NBA Sixth Man of the Year Award. This one, you know, this <clears throat> is an interesting award to me. And I, I think there are so many weird qualifications that go into being six men. And I think there should be, you know, I think there should be more um, strict rules on how this award is given out. I think that, you know, there should be a game restriction. You know, you're not allowed to start this many games and still be allowed to um, be up for six man of the year. You know, Eric Gordon, um, you know, started a decent amount of games this season. So maybe, you know, he doesn't get to contend for six man of the year. <clears throat> But the finalists, Eric Gordon, guard for the Houston Rockets, uh, guard Fred Van Vliet for the Toronto Raptors, and guard Lou Williams for the LA Clippers. Um, you know, in my eyes, this is, you know, a pretty tight race. And first off, um, shout out to Fred Van Vliet for doing this in his rookie season. He certainly carved a decent role into the rotation um, <clears throat> in Toronto as a rookie um, with some stars at guard. Um, and, you know, with the rumors that maybe they're looking to trade one of these guards, uh, in the near future, Fred Van Vliet could carve a nice role um, in even the starting lineup if they choose to do so. Um, you know, Lou Williams had a great start to the season with the Clippers. Um, of course, they didn't make the postseason, so you don't really get to see it now in the last month or so. Um, but he definitely had a great year, got paid. And then Eric Gordon, you know, is consistently <clears throat> consistently a great scorer. Um, he provides a lot off the bench for the Houston Rockets in what is, you know, one of the most prolific offenses in entire um, NBA um, and that's where I'm, you know, giving my award. Um, and it's more just related to the team's success um, and how he's contributed to that. You know, <clears throat> Lou Williams, if he was on the Rockets, um, I'd obviously, you know, I'd have that award for him if he was putting up those numbers um, in Houston. Uh, Fred, you know, the Toronto Raptors were the number one seed in the East, but they are no longer fighting in the postseason anymore. Um, and, you know, that kind of just is the way that it falls sometimes. Um, Eric Gordon, you know, was the, you know, the Rockets were the best team in basketball. Eric Gordon was terrific off the bench for them, you know, could fill into the starting position at times. He's my uh, sixth man of the year. All right, next up is uh, Kia NBA Defensive Player of the Year, the nominees, um, you know, Anthony Davis of the New Orleans Pelicans, Joel Embiid for the 76ers, and Rudy Gobert for the Utah Jazz. And uh, none of these three have won this award yet, so we will have a first-time uh, Defensive Player of the Year award. So, you know, congratulations to whoever is awarded with that. Um, this is an interesting race, um, in my opinion, because it, it truly, you know, did get the three best defensive players in basketball. And if I'm going pure defensive, um, <clears throat> you know, just defensive stats... I'm going to go with Rudy Gobert um, for the Utah Jazz is my pick. Um, I think Anthony Davis and Joel Embiid get a little elevated because of what they can provide on offense. You know, both of them can, you know, take the ball out to the three. Um, they have different ways of scoring. They've got a good mid-range game. Um, Rudy Gobert is really that guy that you just say, you know, sit in the middle of the lane and don't let anyone get a shot up. And, um, and Anthony Davis and Joel Embiid do a good job of that as well. I just don't think that anyone is as pure of a defensive uh, player um, as Rudy Gobert. Um, and, you know, I think that the other two kind of get theirs, um, their defensive prowess elevated um, simply because of the offensive potential they bring in. Um, now, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, this award, to me, looking at the list, is the tightest race out of all of them. Um, some of them, I think, are pretty clear winners. But truly... You know, all three have had great seasons. 
Um, all three brought their teams to the postseason. Um, all three brought their teams to uh, at least the second round of the postseason. Um, and they were the anchors for their team defensively in the middle. Um, you know, just, you know, talking through it more, um, you know, Anthony Davis for a majority of the season, or I guess, you know, maybe half or under half got to play, um, alongside DeMarcus Cousins, another big man, um, you know, who kind of can take some pressure off defensively. Joel Embiid, um, you know, Ben Simmons is a great defender. Um, and then for Rudy Gobert, you know, the other guys around him, Joe Ingles, decent, you know, Derek Favors, a little old, uh, Donovan Mitchell, rookie, but still, you know, plays great, uh, pretty decent defensively. Um, but, you know, in my eyes, that's got to go to Rudy Gobert um, for the Utah Jazz. So now to Kia, NBA Most Improved Player of the Year. Um, <clears throat> this one is also pretty interesting. I think there's a clear winner, but I wouldn't be surprised if it went in a different direction. Um, the three finalists, uh, Clint Capella for the Houston Rockets, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, guard for the Brooklyn Nets, and Victor Oladipo, guard for the Indiana Pacers. And um, clearly, if I'm just choosing, you know, who I think is the clear winner, uh, I'm going Victor Oladipo for the Indiana Pacers. Um, He, in a season where Indiana was looking, you know, after that Paul George trade to be, you know, maybe one of the bottom teams in the NBA, maybe searching for, you know, a lottery pick, a top pick next year to build around a young core of Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis, Victor Oladipo and such. Um, You know, Victor Oladipo made them relevant this year Um, and, you know, more than relevant, put them in the postseason, you know, um, Gave him a seven-game series with the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know, he seems to be the new face of the franchise. Um, and, you know, it's nice to see an Indiana guy, Indiana University, um, be with the Pacers. Um, I really like that. Uh, I think it means more to a hometown or to a franchise when you've got, you know, a guy who's been around the area that's, you know, the star for your team. So in my eyes, you know, the clear winner of this is Victor Oladipo, <clears throat> but I wouldn't be surprised if they went with Clint Capella um, for the Houston Rockets, just because I think, you know, A, they were the, you know, the best team in basketball this season, um, B, you know, he was, you know, for a team that preaches offense, 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 he was the guy that was just pure defense for them, um, you know, provided stuff around the rim on offense as well, but was, you know, the defensive front for um, his team. And, uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't think Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, congratulations to him being, for being nominated for this award. I just think when you look at the, the star power, what you got from the other two guys and how they're on winning teams as well, um, you know, I think it, you know, he's definitely third place in this. And then if you're looking at the two teams, um, who were winning Clint Capella and Victor Oladipo, the Pacers and Rockets, you know, Clint Capella is probably the third, fourth best player on that team. Victor Oladipo in my eyes is definitely the first best player on the Pacers. Um, so that award's got to go to Oladipo. And then finally, uh, NBA coach of the year. And this one could get extremely awkward. Um, if the way it plays out, um, the finalist Dwayne Casey for the Toronto Raptors, formerly for the Toronto Raptors, uh, Quinn Snyder for the Utah Jazz and Brad Stevens for the Boston Celtics. And, you know, I have to say, you know, this list is is pretty spot on. Um, I, I admire um, NBA coaches, um, specifically, you know, especially just watching um, Utah and Boston this year. Um, you know, they both have brought some, I wouldn't say irrelevant teams, but some teams lacking star power. Um, and made them, you know, postseason relevant. I mean, right now the Celtics are up 2-0 on the Cavaliers in the conference finals. 
missing Gordon Hayward, um, Kyrie Irving playing a bunch of young guys in, you know, what is some of their first postseasons, um, a lot of their first conference finals. So definitely a congratulations <clears throat> to the to the Celtics and Jazz for accomplishing that. Of course, you know, Dwayne Casey, um, the number one seed in the East, he got fired by the Toronto Raptors um, following their postseason loss to the uh, Cavaliers after being swept. Um, I feel like that would be a little awkward for him to win coach of the year. Um, and, you know, maybe by that point he belongs to a different franchise. Um, I definitely would expect him to get hired um, by a team this offseason. But uh, that might make things a little uncomfortable. Um, you know, this, man, you know, I said that defensive player of the year might be the tightest race, but this one in my eyes is also. Um, but what it comes down to me is not even just, you know, the season that they have, but the coach, you know, specifically looking at um, – what he's been able to consistently do. And that is why I'm going with Brad Stevens for the Boston Celtics. Um, he has consistently found success no matter what his roster looks like. Um, he has made, you know, some guys who have, you know, blundered in their next destinations thrive in his system. You know, you look specifically at Isaiah Thomas. I know people want to throw in, oh, well, he's playing hurt. You know, he's never, you know, he never got back to full health. Isaiah Thomas isn't meant for today, uh, <clears throat> for today's NBA and Brad Stevens made him a 30-point-per-game score, almost. Um, so I admire Brad Stevens a lot. Um, of course, I hate the city of Boston, and I hate their sports, but um, he certainly is one of the futures of the um, NBA, an amazing uh, young coach, and in my eyes, the coach of the year. Um, so just to wrap things up, uh, kind of re-say that. Um, the NBA most valuable player, I believe it will be James Harden. Uh, the rookie of the year, I picked Ben Simmons. Sixth man of the year, I picked Eric Gordon of the Houston Rockets. Defensive player of the year, I went Rudy Gobert from the Jazz. Kia NBA most improved player, I went with Victor Oladipo for the Indiana Pacers. And finally, coach of the year, I went with Brad Stevens for the Boston Celtics. So now we're going to change uh, paces after that. We're going to move to the NFL. And you know, right now, kind of some dead time in uh, football, uh, you know, OTA's training camp, but um, HBO announced yesterday that Hard Knocks will be traveling to Cleveland. And, um, you know, I have a few thoughts on that decision. Um, you know, uh, the way that Hard Knocks goes is that if a team doesn't volunteer, they kind of just pick a team to go itself. Um, if a team does volunteer, then, you know, of course, um, they'll be assigned that because the NFL would rather not force someone um, to host Hard Knocks. I'm not sure if Cleveland was forced to do it or if they volunteered. Um, but you know, this is very um, this is very scary for the Browns, a team you know who is looking to be that team um, finally to take the next step and move forward and get better. Um, I love what they have done in the off season. Um, you know. Specifically, free agency, the draft, um, in their first two rounds, uh, very questionable. You can listen on, on the Gold Go podcast. We talk about that. I thought their first four picks were actually um, one of the you know worst hauls um, in the you know opening rounds. But looking specifically at Hard Knocks now, um, you know <laughs> you have to go back to the uh, <clears throat> 2013. Cincinnati Bengals to find the first host of Hard Knocks to go, you know, more than two games over 500. Um, the Atlanta Falcons in 2014 went six and ten after being host for the um, for Hard Knocks in 2015. The Houston Texans 
did place first in their division, a nine and seven record, um, but they lost the wild card playoff to the Chiefs, uh, thirty to zero. Um, and then the Rams in twenty sixteen, Jeff Fisher's final uh, season, um, they went four and twelve. And then last season, you had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go five and eleven in the NFC South. And you know, you're just looking over the recent success, it, it, it looks that it just brings in a lot of distractions to a team. And, you know, certainly teams that, you know, have potential. Um, you saw it last year with the Bucks. Um, I personally thought that the Bucks were going to have an up year. I thought that they were moving in the right direction. I thought James Winston was going to continuously uh, improve. I thought the defense was building nicely. They brought in some guys. Um, and then they kind of just fell flat on their faces. And I think, you know, there goes a lot... Um, into uh, dysfunction when you have, you know, cameras around you, everyone's trying to get, you know, what's the the funny story of the summer? Um, what are the competitions? I think it puts a lot of pressure when, you know, some of this stuff is, you know, local media finds out about it and, you know, there's, you know, uh, some hush hush around the city, but when it's nationally televised, um, I think it brings a lot of um, unnecessary attention to a team, especially when they're trying to build something. You know, if there's a team that is, you know, if the New England Patriots, you know, and this is if they don't have Bill Belichick as their head coach because Bill Belichick would never allow this to happen. If they're just winning year after year after year, you know, sure, maybe you you bring that in there because, you know, this team has already built something. Um, you, you, you aren't going to really add in that many distractions. Um, I think that, you know, there's not going to be any big drama that comes out that ruins, you know, a guy's career or hinders his play the following season. But when you're the Cleveland Browns and you have you had your entire franchise um, full of disappointment um, and you finally have an offseason where you bring in, you know, probably your best quarterback you've had in recent history in uh, Tyrod Taylor. You bring in, you know, Carlos Hyde at running back, Jarvis Landry at receiver. Josh Gordon seems to be able to play football again. Um, you've got a young tight end in Javon Njoku. You've got one, you know, one of the best young pass rushers in the game, Miles Garrett. And then you have a head coach that is one and thirty-one in his NFL head coaching career, and I don't think that this is the right time to bring in Hard Knocks to Cleveland. I think that you know it can bring a lot of distractions for a young team looking to consistently improve. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think that this also isn't the right situation for Baker Mayfield. I've I've said this a few times um, on you know various different shows. I think that Baker won't be the starter in Cleveland day one. I think, you know, Tyrod is going to go out there and he's going to look significantly better than Baker. Um, and, you know, the, you know, having, you know, the national media or the entire world be able to see that um, instead of, you know, just your local Cleveland guys. Um, and, you know, they're inside training camp and you're seeing Baker struggle. And, you know, then you see them announce that Tyrod's going to be the starting quarterback. <clears throat> you know, that's going to it's going to be painful for Baker and I think that it could hinder his um, ability to develop throughout his career. So, you know, there are a lot of few issues that I, there are a lot of issues that I have with um, Hard Knocks going to Cleveland. Of course, if they if, if no teams volunteered and they were just, you know, assigned that, then, you know, fine. I, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. But if um, they volunteered to have Hard Knocks come, you know, I think this is a terrible move for the franchise and something that could really um, stunt their growth moving forward. And, you know, with those two segments, um, you know, out of the way now, I, I think I'm going to wrap things up for uh, for the week. Um, you know, I think what I'm going to my plan with this show is that Mondays and Wednesdays are going to be, you know, more, um, you know, they're going to be longer. They're going to have, you know, more interesting topics. 
Um, and then Fridays, I think, you know, are going to be a little bit more relaxed. Um, during the NFL season, I'm going to have, you know, one of my um, friends uh, and, you know, colleagues, Bennett Height. Um, I think he's. I'm going to have him on here to uh, do some uh, gambling segments um, for the NFL season. I think me and him will just go back and forth, make some bets on, you know, the football game, see who walks out of the season with the, you know, the most winnings. <clears throat> um and then I think Fridays will also be my guest episodes. Um, so I don't have any guests for this week. I actually have my first guest scheduled for next Friday. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, so yeah, that, that'll be the, the, the schedule. Monday and Wednesdays, we're going to have it, you know, more centered around me just talking about topics, um, you know, the headlines in the NFL, my takes on that. Friday is going to be a little more relaxed. We'll have some guest segments, um, some NFL betting next season. I don't want to do betting for the NBA and MLB just because there are so many games. Um, I don't want to lose that much money. Um, and in the NFL, I think, you know, if I bet on Friday, you know, the games happen Sunday, Monday, you know, I'm fine with that. Um, so, yeah, that'll wrap it up. Um, please, you know, follow me on Twitter at Blake Andrew Pace. Um, if you have anything you want me to talk about or, you know, have any debates you would like to start with me over stuff that I've said on this show, you can email me at blakeandrewpace at gmail.com. Um, thank you so much for the continued support. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, spread the word, show this podcast to, you know, friends that you have, other sports fans, um, and I will catch you next week. Take care.